are back. The Welcome back, everybody. The comments were buzzing even right before we were ready to get going. So we thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for being as excited as we are. Um, we are back with another week. Um, I'm your co-host, Zach. I'm Rebecca. And we got, a, we got a great episode for you guys today. Uh, just a quick recap of last week, if you guys missed it. Last week was a great episode. We talked about social media with a lot of our uh, young entrepreneurs, young artists, uh, young great minds in our, in our, in our community. Um, we just talked about all, all aspects of, of social media. We talked about the education, um, being knowledgeable in what you post. Um, and yeah, it's, it's good. It, was a, it was a great discussion. If you've missed it, uh, we have it on our Instagram. On, on, it's available on Spotify and Google Podcast if you did, if you did miss that indeed. Okay, Rebecca, are you ready for this week? I'm definitely ready for today's discussion. But as always, before we get started, we have to read our land acknowledgement. Absolutely. Let's get into our land acknowledgement. <clears throat> it's important to acknowledge. Oh, sorry. Sorry. My no, God. no, you go ahead, Zach. No, you go, go ahead, ahead and read that. I read it all the time. No, I actually read the this one all the time for the focus. So you go ahead, Zach. You know what? Fine, fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to acknowledge Canada's history of enslavement, racial segregation, and marginalization as it had devastating impact on people of African descent. The existence of sy systemic anti-Black racism and inequality in education, housing, employment, health, criminal justice, politics, and other areas can be directly traced to the complex legacies of dehumanizing enslavement of African people in Canada. Canada has neither recognized nor educated the people, the public adequately about the historical facts related to slavery and the anti-Black racism it has produced. Despite this, Black Canadians have made outstanding contributions to Canada in every field, which is all the more remarkable given the legacy of slavery. It is ne necessary to recognize the history of Black Canadians in order to build a more just society free from discrimination. Thank you, Zach. Thank you. And right now, you know, usually we just go into the panel discussion, right? We today, today we have a special guest before we get started. Today we have Miss Kayla Russell, a dear friend of mine. Kayla Russell is an 18-year-old student that goes to Madonna Catholic Secondary School. Woo! I go to that school too. She is involved in quite a few leadership positions within Madonna. She is, a, she is the social justice representative on the student council. She's club council co-president and an ambassador for co-lead amongst other things. What a scholar, Miss Kayla Russell. <laughs> Today, mm. she will be starting off our panel discussion with one of her poems that will help set the tone for today's discussion. So we're gonna call her up now. Hey, Kayla. I don't know if she can hear us. Hey, everyone. I'm Kayla. Hi. How are you? Alrighty. We're gonna leave you to it to say the poem that you have for us. Can you hear me now? Yes. Can you hear me now? Yes, we yep. can. But your Wi-Fi is a little bit. Can you hear me now? Yes. 
If you, you know what, Kayla? I think it's best if we play the video. Yeah, let's play the video. We have the video. Let's okay, play that I'm, I'm gonna pull up the video then. Okay. Let's do it. I'm gonna bring down back and my. looks my apologies why can't we Apparently look at sound. both sides instead i'm gonna stay up so that there is some sound dismantled can we handle the and now a reading of the poison they give to kids blue for the boys and pink for the girls that is so stereotypical and the story begins what is masculinity and femininity when did you learn that these words seem to fight one on one side of the ring and another on the other side one can pick up what's toxic about the other right Men can find the toxicity in the femininity. Women can find the toxic in masculinity. Or will we both speak on the validity of how toxicity is rampant in both? I want it Barbie size, but who is it? She is not an object. She likes to exercise. He's my prize. He can't cry. I want fat muscles, abs like the Hulk, money in bulk and drives. What if I told you he does cry? Cries at night because he's stressed but she must cook and deals with cat calls and looks. Why can't we look at both sides instead and see there are stereotypes that need to be dismantled? Can we handle the truths of what the boys normalize in the locker rooms? The sexist comments that come at a cosmic level of disrespect, and yet she now has developed the case of the superwoman syndrome. I got this, I got me. I don't need a Prince Charming to be safer. And why do we favor those lists, a preference list that doesn't exist? I want them as tall as a Nephilim and or as skinny as a twig. Or that she shouldn't be strong, too strong, that wouldn't string him along. Play the bad boy, he wins all the hearts. But can I ask you a question? Would that lead this conversation in a different direction? I mentioned stereotypes or preferences, but what about the white male power structure that still exists? Okay, well, let me break it down for you. You have masculinity and toxic masculinity, and the latter is a very real issue that again doesn't allow the men to grab a tissue, the very poison that describes what it means to be a man, a sort of sick job description or blueprint for young boys that starts with toys and stereotypes and still plays a role in the role of a man. Look me in the eye and tell me what it means to be a man. Do you use adjectives or verbs you've heard that make your chest grow big? You deal with it too. The magazine covers affect you too. The shows you watch, commercials and talk shows that describe the man. Well, I'm trying to understand how we fail to see the toxicity. It was violence and abuse and issues that you project onto the girl. 
Unlearn the treatment you think is okay. Learn to be okay with rejection and accept the projection of female CEOs rise and backing off after she said no. Learning no means no and learning when it's time to go. So the numbers of assault can go down and she might be able to walk around town. The practice of toxic behavior, condoning violent behavior, addiction, and there is toxicity in both. What size she wears matters most. How a mother treats her daughter over the sun that goes anywhere. The soft, sweet nature that she must keep in innocence and physique, head down, don't speak. The girl versus girl bullying, the pressure of appearance that makes her hate her reflection and skip a few meals to reach a perfection that can't be reached. A self-destructive act, that is what is toxic. So when you define masculinity and femininity, what comes to mind? Because if it relates to the pressures I've listed, a social construct or conventionalized system that we absorb or store up in our mind, that is what really defines those words and produces a toxic outline of the boy and girl. We start out impressionable and grow up to live in a world that feeds and waits for us to digest the poison called toxic femininity and toxic masculinity. Poison they give to kids. That was amazing. That was amazing. I wish, uh, obviously, connection-wise, she... Um, She's not really here right now, but I wish she was really here. But she knows how grateful we are for that. Um, she knows how amazing that that word was, just breathtaking, honestly. Um, so we thank we thank Kayla for that. Thank Kayla for that. Um, hopefully she hopefully she will be joining us soon. Um, hopefully she will be here with us and and uh, throughout our conversation. But without further ado. Uh, you guys know what we're going to be talking about a little bit, but we're going to get in-depth to it. We have a lot of passionate speakers. Um, we have a lot of great, great minds. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to introduce our first guest, and that is Miss Marsha Gay Knight. Let's bring her on. Let's bring her on. How are you? How are you? I am good, guys. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Good, so, good. Thanks for having me. Tell us a bit of, about yourself and maybe a little fun fact. Sure, sure. Okay. So I am a partnership marketing manager for CBC Sports and Olympics. So I get to work on the Olympics, which are coming up in like 60 something days, if I'm not mistaken, in Tokyo 2020. I'm also the founder of Black in Sport Business, which is an organization that helps to connect Black professionals in the sport business world. And I also teach part time in the George Brown Sport and Event Marketing Program. <laughs> so just a couple of things, just a couple of things. That sounds like a jam packed schedule to me. That's usually. <laughs> That sounds like a jam pack. But you guys wanted a fun fact, right? So you know those Trump rallies that happen ever so often because he just loves to talk about himself. So mm -hmm. when I was in college in the states, I got to actually go to a George Bush one, and in order for me to get to go to one and be on that backstage behind the president, I had to get CIA clearance. So I got checked by the CIA to actually wow. go and do that. So that's my fun fact. Wow. That. That it was scary because you know you don't do anything, but you feel like you did something because the CIA, like, what are you gonna find? Because they dig through everything, right? So yeah. you're like, even though you don't have anything to do, you're like, you still were nervous about it. Like, what are they gonna find? Right. A little butterfly is always there, little always <laughs> the CIA. You don't right. want to defend anything. <laughs> Absolutely. That is amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you for being. Thank you for being here so so much. Uh, we're excited to get to get going and talk to you more. But we're gonna introduce Absolutely. our next guest. Go Rebecca, for it. Take next it away. Guest. 
Our next guest is a staff from the TCDSB. She is a psychologist, Miss Nancy. Hey, Nancy. Oh, Ooh, yes, yep. <laughs> Try that again. Hi, everyone. I'm delighted to be with you. I've been a psychological associate with TCDSB since uh, 2006 now. Uh, it's amazing how time has flown um, because I love what I do. I feel so privileged to support high school and elementary students in our board. And my fun fact is uh, my name, Nancy, um, was inspired by the achievements of a Canadian Olympian, uh, and that would be Nancy Green, who won two uh, medals in the 1968 Winter Olympics. Wow. Amazing. Parents were big skiers and they, they really admired that accomplishment. And I'm proud to be named after her. She's a great Canadian. That's so cool. That's two amazing fun facts back to back. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's go to our next guest. Let's go to our next guest, Mr. Adrell Lewis. Mr. Adrell Lewis. How Hello. are you? Sir? So tell us a bit about yourself and maybe a fun fact. Sure, sure. So my name is Adrell Lewis. Um, I work in the healthcare IT industry. I also have a, a startup, a cryptocurrency startup. Um, also an elder in my church, which I uh, spend a lot of time doing that as well. And a fun fact, um, a fun fact about me, I moved growing up, I moved uh, 13 times in, I think, seven years. So um, been a lot of different places growing hey. up. Was this, was this around around Canada or from the States or the Caribbean or all over? Only, only in Canada. So okay. uh, only in Canada. Okay. Okay. That is because I couldn't imagine moving from country to country <laughs> in all between all between seven years. That's that would be a lot. Yep. <laughs> Rebecca, let's get into our next guest. All right. The next guest is a dear friend of mine, Mr. Marcos. Hey, Marcos. <laughs> oh, I was on mute. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Marcos. I am the CSLIT AFL director and also a grade 11 student at Michael Power St. Joseph, also on their student council. You know, and I'm really pumped for today about the conversation. I'm really passionate about, you know, uh, looking at all these people. I can tell you guys are too. Um, fun fact of mine is that I can play four different instruments. And like, I'm very musically inclined, but like no one in my family like plays any type of music or like, so then I was just like the only one. So that, yeah. Wow. First generation musician. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right. Up next, she is back. She is here, Miss Kayla. <laughs> What's up Kayla? Hi everyone. So yes, my name is Kayla. Sorry, I was having technical issues in my storage <laughs> right now, but you're here now. There's that. Tell us a bit about if yourself. It's Ella. working. It is. Oh. Oh man. Part of my social student council. So I'm this. So yes, I'm a part of my student council. I'm the social justice representative on there. And Rebecca listed a few things. I'm ambassador, co-lead, and uh, club council co-president, part of my school. Um, my fun fact, not as cool as you guys. I'm scared of flying. That's what I have. 
That's what I have. Scared of flying. <laughs> scared of heights? Is that what it is? Yeah. No, that's the funny thing. I'm not, but I'm scared of flying. So there's okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. It's like when you think about it, it's a piece of metal that's just flying in the air. I mean, I know there's physics behind it and stuff, but like still, it's kind of interesting. But yeah, so today for today's discussion, we're getting into a pretty heavy one, a pretty deep one, gender norms and masculinity versus femininity. And right there already, I'm sure like a whole bunch of light bulbs are probably going off in your head when we're talking about masculinity versus femininity. So we can kind of start off there. Like, I think when people hear that, they're probably thinking, you know, like women that are just angry at men you know, women who probably just hate men and, you know, this, I don't know, kind of dealing with the oppression of men and stuff. And so just to start off the conversation, you know, kind of want to talk about, because we, we, we usually, you know, we always get the chance to talk about misogyny, but I would just want to start off this conversation, you know, kind of talking about misandry. And I know yesterday when we were just like having our conversation, I asked everyone, I'm like, do you guys know what misandry is? Because I didn't learn about it till like two months ago. So does anybody here on this panel know what misandry is? Or kind of has any idea? Is it like contempt? Yeah, I just, yeah, basically just women hating men, right? <laughs> <laughs> basically just women hating men. So it's like, you know, there's like misogyny and misandry, right? And so like the first question that I was just gonna kind of bring up was just, you know, just the difference between women hate, like not hating on men, but feeling angry towards men and misandry and if like what the difference kind of looks like to you guys. So it's kind of directed to the men first, but yeah, I just kind of have that question. Like, what does the difference look like to you guys? Um, maybe I can chime in there uh, just a little bit. Um, so definitely, um, can you guys hear me fine? Yep. Okay, perfect. Definitely misandry is um, a, a word that I haven't heard uh, very often, but I understand the sentiment or the feeling of, um, you know, women being upset with men. And to be honest, you know, for tra in traditional society, men always held a higher place in society than women. You know, men could vote and women couldn't. And men were out working and women couldn't could not and men had these different rights and women did not have these rights and so for many many years society was bent it was more of a male dominated um society um more of a you know uh, like a patriarchy type of society and so um men have abused that power um for centuries and for centuries um you know um, um, it was almost like you weren't masculine or you weren't a man unless you abused that power. You know, if you didn't have, if you didn't, you know, have maybe three or four different girls, you had a wife and a bunch of girlfriends and you had, uh, you know, you were tough and no one could talk to you a certain way. And, and so um, I think some of it comes out of these, this, um, you know, century long, for, I shouldn't say centuries, for a very, very long period of time, um, that type of culture with with the masculinity that's caused some of that misandry. Now, in current days, um, you know, things are shifting 
And I think there's a couple other reasons why maybe there's some misandry in current days, but maybe I'll just stop it there and let um, others speak. Marcos, what do you think? You know, uh, like I agree with like a, a lot of what Adriel was saying. And, you know, I think that in some cases, misandry can be justified in my opinion. I think that like, you know, even, even though like not all men like are like bad per se, it's still the system of masculinity that's put in place by society that is the problem. And, you know, uh, like the men today who like continue to, you know, like, like the, like support, like the type of like locker room talk to try to like justify themselves, like as a man, like that can be, you know, detrimental to not only men, but also women, especially because then it's like, in order for you to act a certain way, then you have to like put down women so that you're superior. And so then like when, you know, women say like, you know, like are, who are misandrist and they say like, hate all men, you know, a part of it is coming just from change. They want change, it's the desire for change. You know, some are extremists, but it definitely, you know, it will take an extreme change for that to happen where men can feel comfortable knowing that they are a man and not having to justify it in any way to anyone. And then that that they uh, you know, and then in that way they can be comfortable who, who they are, and then also n not put down women because that's what the man thing is to do. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point too, and I think we touched on it yesterday as well. Um, Adra was saying, uh, oh, even in the like the older days and even now, uh, sometimes you can be looked at as maybe kind of less of a man if you do certain things. Uh, Adra was referring to different women and the older days, and that could kind of test your masculinity. But um, even now, like, there's so many, I guess, factors, and we were kind of touching about it yesterday, Nancy, as well, and we were talking about it. But in terms of being like, uh, I wouldn't want to say maybe less of a man, but do you guys think that there's oftentimes like um, masculinity is tested, like within? within like uh, a workspace or within like family roles or something like that? Yeah, so a hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent growing up in society, you, you know, you're a kid, you have a lot of your friends, your boys that you grow up with. And let's just say that what we were talking about, treating the opposite sex. And if you were a guy who like bought your girlfriend flowers and you know, you brought her roses and you bought her a nice shoe and a nice purse, you would look like, like you're a punk. Like, why are you doing all these nice things to this girl? You know what I mean? So it, it was a society that was, it's kind of, you know, st stigma is still there. Where it's like, you know, if you have a, a girlfriend or whatever, you just, you know, treat her, her you know, don't treat her good. You know, and so it, it kind of um, it kind of perpetuated this toxic ma uh, masculinity that we're kind of talking about. And it came out of those social pressures. And that's just one thing. But of course, the other is, is being a macho, being tough, having to fight. If someone calls you a different, someone steps on your shoes, if someone calls you a different type of name, then you should fight. You're not going to let that go. 
And so and if you do let it go, then yeah, you're a punk again. You're not a true man. And so being violent was very manly. Being misogynistic was very manly. Um, being, you know, disrespectful to women was a manly thing. And so the whole definition of what a man was was incredibly twisted and um, and messed up growing up for a lot of people. Yeah, and especially like in a workplace, uh, Miss Nancy and Miss Marsha, like how does that look on the opposite side? Like uh, Adrell was referring to maybe showing your feelings um, too much could be, you know, kind of a bad sign for some men, but some women often are accused of showing too much emotion. So, uh, or something, or, you know, uh, so does that does that play a role in the workplace? Like, does uh, gaining respect from from the opposite sex play play a, like a play a difficult role in workplaces? Yeah, it does. As a woman, and I'm going to come from a point of intersectionality, right? So, as a woman of color, there are a lot of things that you have to step into and expectations that you have. So I'm naturally expressive, right? That might not be welcome in that space because that might be seen as extra or too much or over the top. And so you have to always find yourself managing yourself to accommodate other people's expectations, which I think is not something that men have to naturally do, even though we're the ones who are trying to meet them halfway. We have to always validate that we're good enough to be there as a woman, you have to validate that you're smart enough, you're capable enough, you can lead because they automatically assume that you cannot so there are always these conversations and always these things happening with women. If I decide to wear a pink suit today, am I going to be less respected even though I really like pink? Should I wear the black one or the gray one because it's neutral and then they won't see me as that girly girl and treat me as such. There are always these conversations that you have to have because as we said before, the traditional man had, to, had normalized a lot of behaviors in terms of the misogyny and I am so tough girl. And then you have now there's a shift in that, right? So there, there are men who are struggling with the idea of the expectation of that normal behavior that they've seen before and just fundamentally being a good person. Why would you mistreat somebody strictly based off their gender or strictly based off who they are? So things like that are coming to a head right now, which I think is why we're having conversations like these. And this is why women are able to get to certain spaces and understand that they have to put on this armor and be tough and validate who they are because of all the things that have happened prior. But now that the conversations are happening and men are understanding more where women are coming from, change can happen. It won't happen overnight, but we're acknowledging the inadequacies that happen for women in those spaces. Absolutely. I would say in my workplace, um, in elementary, it's, it's a very female-centric workplace. If you guys think back to how many of your teachers in elementary were women. Um, so it, it has a, a different kind of a feel to it, um, I think. In, in secondary, it's a little bit more um, equal representation of, of women and men. Um, but I, I like to think that my workplace is, is pretty uh, enlightened. Um, I, I don't feel that I have to um, work harder uh, as a woman to... Um, command respect or, or to be given respect. Um, and, and I think that often the public sector um, is a place that historically has been easier for women to um, enter into professionally and to rise to positions of leadership uh, professionally. And even in my own career, this is just anecdotal, but I'm sure that there are some numbers to back this up. Um, when I started with the board back in 2006, I would say 
the majority of the principals of my schools were men. Um, and now I would say the majority are women. And uh, something that I'm very happy to see too is increasingly um, there are more women coming from, um, you know, sort of new Canadian or uh, immigrant backgrounds. So there are uh, women who were, you know, women who came as young children, um, maybe from Portugal, or um, now another generation of our leaders in the Catholic community um, is Filipino. So I think that says something good uh, about uh, our board, about the public sector and uh, about Canada. Um, but going back to the sort of original framing question, um, I personally, and, and maybe it's just, you know, who I know, I don't know any women who hate men. I really don't. Um, and I, I think it's important to make a distinction, you know, as, as people of a Christian faith, we talk about condemning the sin, not the sinner. And so to me, patriarchy is the sin, you know? Patriarchy is a system of oppression and domination that is part of, you know, an interlocking system, right, of dominations, which include racial, you know, bias, which include homophobia and various other forms of bias. And in my opinion, any, any person who calls themselves a feminist, as I do, has to acknowledge the, the interlocking nature of those systems. And one of my heroes, Gloria Steinem, um, you know, was very, very vocal about that, you know, from the early 70s onward, that we will not dismantle patriarchy until we dismantle these other systems of oppression as well. And the beautiful thing is, it's like you take one brick from one of these, you know, walls of oppression, you're kind of weakening the other walls at the same time. And uh, one of the women that she uh, leveled with uh, as her speaking partner uh, was an incredible African-American lawyer named Flo Kennedy, who was a firebrand speaker. And so they went out together as a duo to, to talk about these issues. And so I, I guess I just feel it's so important um, to, to talk about how patriarchy oppresses both women and men. And I, I think that's a point that um, some of the men here have already kind of alluded to, that, you know, this is not a great way for you to grow up. In Kayla's poem, you know, it's the toxicity that's fed to us as kids, whether, you know, we're identifying as cisgender male or, or female. It, it dehumanizes us all. Yeah. And then, you know, just, just to go off of the that you brought up in the beginning, you know, you said you don't know any women personally who hate men. And I think that's an incredible point. But personally, you know, from what I see on social media, I have to bring in social media. From what I see on social media, from what I hear some of my friends say, there definitely are women who extremely dislike men. And and in my own personal experience, I won't say that I hated men, but in the past, just because of how I was raised, I started to develop um, a concept that there was a superiority with women. And that women, I was like, women are better than men. Like, what is there, you know, cause I, I didn't have that figure in my home where I had like that father figure or um, I didn't have many guy friends or like male figures within my life. So I just saw strong independent women. I had female friends, um, female older cousins. Like it was, my world was really female dominated. 
So then in my head, when I'm raised in this female dominated environment, I look online and I just see a bunch of women hating on men, you know, just like men ain't blank or, you know, all, like all men, da, 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 right? And so, and not saying that this is, this is definitely not how I think right now, but that kind of developed this kind of concept in my head where I kind of thought, you know, that, that there was some kind of superiority within women over men. And so it took some time to realize that, you know, first of all, it goes beyond gender. And it's like, like I mentioned earlier, you know, before we started, like, I, le I, you know, I came to learn that one, that there's a uniqueness within both genders. And we live in a time where there's more than just two genders, right? Like, it's not, it's not a case where one gender is better than the other. We're both, you know, unique within our own self. But, but yeah, so the reason why I'm bringing that up is, so now, like, when I just tie it back to misandry, I think a reason why women are so like strong on it is just because I feel like whenever, and in my own personal experience, sometimes when I bring it up, it's kind of like looked over by men, like, ah, oh, she's complaining now. Ah, oh, like what is, you know? And it's like, and then you get frustrated. You're like, okay, so I'm trying to bring it up and you know, he's not really listening to what I'm saying. And so then that's when that anger kind of builds up. But I don't know if, uh, if Marsha, if you, I don't want to say experience something similar, but, you know, like, kind of, I, I don't want to say dealing with the hatred of men, but just kind of, like, because, no, you know, I, I definitely don't hate men. I, I, I definitely don't think I'm superior or anything, but just kind of it's dealing so, with that and what we see on social media. Social media. It's interesting because I actually had a friend call me last week and tell me that I hate men. And I was offended. Um, I don't hate men, much okay. like you're saying. I don't like hers because I think he can do a, he can do a better job of being a man in her life. And she's kind of like took that experience and brushed it. I think a lot of people need to understand that your experience with men, like how you're talking about Rebecca, your experience with men has not been favorable. Mm -hmm. It is unfair to take your experience of, let's say for lack of a comparison, 10 men, and then tell every man in the world that y'all ain't black, right? That's not fair. Everybody has different experiences. And it's, it's, as we grow and as we learn, we understand that it, just because I experience this over here, it doesn't necessarily mean that the whole experience I have is here. And I think social media tends to amplify a lot of voices sometimes in the negative light because, I mean, <laughs> negative news goes further than the positive ones. You okay. see positive stories every once in a while, but for every 10 negative stories, you probably see one. So it makes, it paints a picture of, negative stories surpassing the reality of things because that's not everybody's experience. I know friends who I grew up with who have amazing father figures. I know friends who I grew up with who have amazing husbands, boyfriends. I see that and I'm like, all right, cool. This is what I I, I, I desire for myself. With everything there's good, there's bad as well. We're not going to take the bad of everything and blanket it with a statement. So I think social media tends to do that because let's be honest, Social media likes to profit off bad experiences because that goes way further. You get more clicks, you get more likes, you get more support off things like that. But the good stories get hidden somewhere in the mix and they're not told enough. So people think it's a one-off or it's an exception and not, and not the rule. People think the rule is that all men are a certain type of way. And I think it's unfair to, to see that based off your experiences and judge everybody off the same thing. Likewise, when my brother says all women are like this, I get offended. Yeah, same. <laughs> When somebody comes to you and does some stuff, it doesn't mean I am like that. It's the same thing. So I can't expect the behavior to change if I don't change the way I think about it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, Marsha, I completely like agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, I have to say that like that like type of negative uh, social media, that type of ne negative influence, it can be beneficial because you know we could we could go and say like, oh yeah, uh, you know there are a lot of good men, but like a lot of you need to change. Then who? And then, you know, like when, right? Uh, but like when you say like, uh, like hate all men, you know, it does, it's, it's, it's hyperbole. It's not, uh, it's not like you, it's not like you actually do, you know? And I think that like the main thing that it does is it makes men self reflect, right? You're like, am I doing something wrong? Like, did, like, uh, like, could I have done better? Oh, and also like your friends, you know, maybe you're okay. Maybe you're, Maybe your brother's okay, but are your brother's friends okay? And are they like, you know, trying to like change their mind so that they can do better? You know, because like, you know, I've, I've you know, been uh, seen so many different types of men in my life, had many different types of interactions, been uh, in, uh, you know, in environments with where I'd be like with my friends and then girls would pass by and then they'd cat call. And I'd be, that's not cool, right? And then a lot of the times I wouldn't say nothing. And that's bad too because then I'm just affirming what they believe in. And then, you know, some, some of them in the group, they probably didn't like that either, but then they're going to do the same thing because then they need to look like a man. So then when you say like, you know, I, I hate all men for doing this. Yes. I think there are better words that you could use like that comment that just popped up. I think there are better words that could be used, but it's the harsh like words that like really like reflect on all men because you know like even if you think you're good like even just knowing the bias knowing that you know sometimes okay i love to go on like night runs right and when i'm going on night runs i always think i always like i tell this to rebecca like i'll call rebecca and i always think about it like if i was a woman i don't think i would be comfortable walking alone at night and i like i i like always remind myself and i i think of how like cruel that is how wrong that is because you know, for me personally, I'm not scared of you know if uh, if, uh, if a man is going to check me out or if they're gonna uh, someone they're gonna call my name, you know. And I think about that, and I and I and I know friends who have I've, I've been in bookstores with a friend and uh, uh, some old guy came up to her and she's just like and he, uh, he's like, hey, how's it going? Like you know, like what are you doing here? Like you know, could be super polite, uh, no. Uh, words uh, were used like offensively, but there's still that level of discomfort that women feel, and it's it's not okay. It, it it's not okay. So then, like you know, even and it, it like even for men who haven't done anything wrong, and like because uh, I have uh, you know friends who uh, like uh, like friends who are girls who have been in like jobs with men who like you know they're scared for no reason. You know, like they could be the nicest person, but they're scared because of this stereotype. And, you know, like it, it, uh, a lot of men could say, well, that's unfair. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. But then it's your, your it's your responsibility to tell your friends, to tell your like buddies in the locker room. You know, when you're talking about like Nancy over there, like it, it's more than just a body. It's more than just an image. There's personality and, and that's for everyone. Yeah. And there's just, there's two points I want to piggyback off from what you just said. One about running at night. And it's just, that one really hit because there'll be times like Marcos mentioned where I'll be on the phone with him and we'll be, we'll, 
we'll probably be talking about how we're stressed with like school and work and stuff. And he'll be like, it's just it's so freeing to run at nighttime. You should do it, Rebecca. And literally I would be like, bro, what do you mean you should do it? Like I like right now, what time is it? It's 6.43, you know, like the sun's still out kind of, but I know that it's gonna get dark soon. Like I personally, I can't just go out, like that's not safe. So I think just one thing, acknowledging male privilege. And I think whenever that conversation comes up, I think sometimes men get a little upset. Like, what do you mean? Like you have legs like me, you can go out if you want to. Anything could happen to me, you know, like some guy could try rob me or something could happen to me but then that's like you're gaslighting the woman right there but i just want to bring up another point though you brought up the whole like even though it's not all men and when you said that that like sparked something in my head where and i kind of discussed this earlier too like you know my i have a little brother and he's 12 years old right now and i remember one day he came up to me and this was around the time where on social media um the hashtag um, all men or like, you know, it was basically just talking about like sexual assault that was just going on. And there was just these debates between not all men and all men. And my little brother comes up to me and he was like, but Rebecca, it's not all men. And he he felt scared to say that because the like literally as soon as a man said not all men, like we were there ready to bash anybody who was saying that because, you know, that's like, like I mentioned earlier, that's like gaslighting the scenarios that women go through. But he came up to me and he was like, Rebecca, but it's not all men. Like, I don't do that. And I, that's when I realized, okay, I probably like, I need to sit down with him and explain to him like what that means and why on social media, why women are getting upset when men say not all men. But even right there, I was like, wow, he's like 12 years old. He's just getting, he doesn't even really have social media like that. I don't know if he saw it on YouTube or something, but the fact that he acknowledged it and what actually happened was he got into an argument with my sister because my sister was right away like, are you crazy? How could you say not all men? This, this, and I literally had to just break it down and be like, he's not wrong. Technically it isn't all men, but I need to explain to him why saying that could be harmful. And I needed to explain to him that, you know, what women go through, it's real. And maybe it's not all men, but in most cases it's all women who do struggle with that. So you know, like with the aggression that comes online, like I can see the way it's affecting young minds. But yeah, I just want to bring that up. So yeah, even though it's not all men, I kind of had to explain to him how, you know, it. I don't want to say how it technically is all men, but because you have that privilege, you know, you kind of go into that box by default, you know, just like white privilege. You may not be a racist, but because you're white, you have that privilege, you fall into that by default. Yeah, having that conversation within itself was you know, kind of hard as well. There's a point I wanted to share to piggyback on your thought too, Rebecca. I remember watching this podcast with T.I. You know, T.I., it's a bad time for T.I. right now, but I was watching a podcast with T.I. And you know, he's Mr. Controversy when it comes to this whole woman thing. Mm -hmm. So he was interviewing another rapper, I can't remember who it was, and they were talking about the fact that they put their young daughters on birth control early, right? Because they said it, you know, all men are. I'm like, time, time. So I, I I started to my brother and I were both watching it and he got something different from it and I got something from it. They both have they all have sons in this scenario. And I'm like, so you're willing to let your son continue with the bad behavior that you know you have done that would cause your daughter to have to get medicated to prevent it. The easiest solution to that is to talk to your sons. Let your sons know that their behavior is bad and we have to stop it. But no, you would rather brush that aside take that as normalized behavior and put your daughter on birth control. I'm like, are you hearing 
what you're and they were so entrenched in the conversation because that is just normal behavior that's a normal train of thought you need to acknowledge that you are part of the problem you saying that is part of the problem you need to understand that everybody needs to hold each other accountable to marcus marcus point if we as if men don't hold men accountable to do better then it's going to be different if a woman says do better it's it sounds different because it's coming like she's complaining or she's just saying this they're going to invalidate her feelings or invalidate her experience but man to man can be like yo bro for real like don't do that you know what you're right it, it checks different it checks different so when i hear a woman say something about a man i have to check her because i'm like not all men no no because my experience you check each other and we hold each other accountable in that way yeah and i nancy wants to go I want to say something about the importance of allyship, especially around uh, issues of gender. And so um, back again in early second wave feminism in the 1960s, uh, Betty Friedan, uh, who wrote The Feminine Mystique, which was a groundbreaking book uh, at the time, um, talked about the importance of having male allies, you know, in the movement towards gender equality. Um, and I think just even something as practical as a night run. You know, uh, I know with COVID, it's a different situation, but otherwise, you know, could, you know, Marcus and Rebecca go for a run together? Um, I know at the University of Toronto after 9-11, um, there was a lot of um, antipathy uh, directed toward uh, anybody who looked like they were from the Middle East and uh, again, uh, there were allyship programs that sprung up, including like a walk safe program so that students um, who might be targeted if they were walking home from the library, you know, that they would be with, with a buddy from the walk safe. Um, and obviously that works for, for gender as well. Um, and I also think you know, women getting together, right? Uh, would you feel safe, Rebecca, if you had two other young women to run with in your neighborhood? If I'm being completely honest though, like I have, and I do run with my cousins or my sister. And it, it in some neighborhoods and in some areas, it honestly can make the situation better if I'm being completely honest. Cause it, you know, I, I don't know. In some cases that might make it worse. And I think it's subjective to which area you're in as well. I've noticed that, but you know, I feel even, even in some cases when a woman goes with a man, it doesn't take away like, that doesn't stop the actions of men. It does make you feel a little better because you're not going through it alone. So in some cases, it can be kind of fun and you can rip it off, so it's not scary. So that helps out a lot. Um, I think that kind of is a coping mechanism, like not as much as a solution, but that is a good point. I'd rather run with my sister and my cousins than just by myself. That is true. And just to kind of add on to some of this, uh, because, you know, we're kind of just talking about how it affects women. But I think the reasons, I don't see the reasons why, but a question that I have for the guys, and I kind of want all the guys to answer, including Zach, you know, because um, then there's just, there's also this issue where men's, men aren't really in touch with their emotions. And I think that already causes like a lot of the problems and why women kind of deal with some of these issues is because of how men feel about themselves, right? So, I mean, I just want to first start, like, first start the conversation with like reasons why you think men may struggle with their issues, and then I have a sub question for that as well. But just starting off there. 
Uh, I'll go ahead first because um, we spoke about this a bit yesterday as well, um, and I really thought about it. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with you, but I would say that every like man or boy or or whomever it, they we're aware of our emotions. We're aware of what we're feeling. We're aware of our surroundings. We're aware of what's wrong, um, but. Um, there's often, there's often a bit of, I wouldn't say trouble, but I bet, uh, I think miscommunication between, um, your, a, a male and, uh, whomever, just in terms of sharing that, that feeling, that connection with, with someone else. And it's, I think it's a trust level that some men, I don't, I think kind of don't really feel sometimes, or I feel like it's an ego level. Like we're going to get into ego as well. Um, sometimes if I feel um, like I mentioned yesterday, if I feel like, oh, like I'm not doing well at this or, um, you know, something's off, something's slipping in my personal life, I can't share it with my, with my boys. I can't share it with, I can't share it with, uh, maybe like a uncle or somebody like that, because I don't want them to have that, cons that, that, uh, perception of me as though, um, I'm, I wouldn't say weak. But I would say like uh, you're going through it because sometimes as a as like a male, you're not supposed to go through it. You're supposed to have everything, you know, sort of figured out. Um, you're supposed to have everything organized, not really not necessarily organized, but in order. And when sometimes everything doesn't look like that, you're looked at You're I wouldn't say frowned upon, but um, you're looked at a bit differently. And I think in terms of sharing that with somebody else. Um, like I said, it's a trust thing, um, and it's really who can you who can you open up to? Like, uh, if I could, I could talk to maybe my sisters or my my family or my mom, my dad, like all day about it. But could I talk to my best friend? Could I talk to Rebecca? Could I talk to my friend group? Um, or could I talk? Could I tell people what's going on? And I feel like men struggle with that um, just because they don't they are unaware of the outcome and they're unaware that. Not everything should be done on their own. Um, not everything can be done on their own. And sometimes we feel like everything has to be done on their own. I was subject to that, like my schooling life and stuff like that. I was subject to thinking I could figure it out all on my own. But sometimes you really can't. Sometimes you really can't. And um, sorry, Adriel, go ahead. Cause I don't really, uh, I don't really want to get too deep into it, but I know you have something to say about it as well. I was just going to say, I 100% agree with what you're saying, Zach. It's like, it's not that I don't know that I, I feel angry because, you know, my parents are yelling at each other. <clears throat> it's causing me to feel scared and angry or I don't feel sad. I don't know how to feel these feelings. It's that I don't have an outlet. It's like they say, like, young boys growing up, they, they may have fear and anger and depression, sadness, but they don't have an outlet, so they go fight someone at school. So they go and they make a bunch of jokes in class instead of, instead of studying. So the outlet comes out, exhibits in different ways because you don't have a chance to, um, or you don't think that you have the ability to express yourself honestly. And a lot of it, I think, comes from a fear of rejection. Like you feel like if I express myself honestly, that I'm, you know, my parents, I think my parents are gonna break up and they're screaming, they're yelling every single day at, with your boys that, it's, that you can, it's not gonna be reciprocated and you're gonna get some rejection here. So you rather just keep it inside, but then keeping those feelings inside always exhibit themselves in other ways, you know? And um, 
I think a big, big part of it is just men feeling like they don't have an outlet. So, Joe, one more follow-up. Is that, like, something that we, I guess, um, we're, we're grown up on? Like, is that, some, is that maybe, like, a lack of role modeling or uh, somebody that we can't really connect to? Um, because I know I've had, I've had people that I could connect to. Um, like, my, I have, a, like, cousins um, that are male. Um, like my my dad, I could talk to, but in the same time, I can't talk to. If you know what I mean, right? Like I can't say I'm going through this, but I could say, hey, like you know, like I'm I'm doing this, but I can't say I'm struggling with this. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a I think it's cycles. I think it's like just like generational cycles. Like I can, I mean, I know from my dad, when I wanted to talk talk about girls, I the last place I was gonna go talk to was my dad. You know what I mean? If I was going to go talk about issues I was having at school, like the very last place I'm going to go talk to is my dad. So it was just kind of a cycle. It was just, and he probably never talked to his dad about it. So I think it's just kind of a generational cycle that has to be broken. Um, I know not necessarily it could be father and son, but even with peer groups, I think it's just stigmas and cycles that, 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 that need to be broken. I know in the church, we try to do that. So in the church, we have a lot of a lot of boys who may you know not have a father figure or never you know whatever and don't feel like there's a, a, a safe space. So we try to create safe spaces, and we start with ourselves. So I will start and open up real, like be 100% real with 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 the boys that I'll be talking to, and that starts to crack at the armor and they start to open up, you know. But what? But first, they have to know that that you're real and that, and that there's actually a safe space for this. Absolutely. Marcos, what do you think? Sorry. Yeah, no. Okay. So like, there's a lot of things that I really agree with. Uh, there's just like one thing that I kind of disagree with uh, that you said in the beginning. And it's that like, uh, seeing that like every man, like they know how they feel. They just don't have an outlet. I agree that they don't have a lot outlet, but I feel like a lot of men also don't know how they feel, you know, like, and they might not even know the source. So then like, uh, I know I, for instance, I've, uh, I felt like this way before. And I know a lot of my friends has too, where it's just like, you're angry and like, you know, you feel emotions, but then one, you don't know why two, you don't know who to talk to three, you got to find some way to let it out. And like you said, you know, you'll fight someone, you'll like, uh, you'll get in trouble. You'll do this. You'll like, you know, go into vices, like, uh, the, the proportion of men who commit suicide are so much greater than women. And that's because they're acting out, they're using illicit substances, they're like doing risky behavior because they don't know other ways to release that energy, that emotion, you know? And it's, again, it's because of like that patriarchal system that is put in place, you know? Like you said, like you, uh, Adriel, you don't, you didn't talk to your father about homework, about girls. Your, uh, your father, he probably didn't do the same, but you know what? It's kind of like there's um, uh, like this, uh, an example, like this dilemma where like a father, he wants to treat his family to a vacation. He doesn't want to go, but he wants to do it out of the kindness for his family. The wife, he she doesn't want to go, but she only wants to do this because she thinks her husband wants to go. The children don't want to go, but they just want to make their parents happy. So then you get this family who none of them want to go on this vacation, but then they're all doing it because they think someone else wants to do it. 
And that's the same thing with like men. You know, we we think that this is how we're supposed to act. So then that's how we act to appease those other people. But then at the same time, you know, they also can't share their emotions. Like, you know, uh, I bet like Zachary has the same problem. You probably have the same problem. I have the same problem. My friends have the same problem. And then it's like everyone has the same problem, but we continue that problem because that's what we think is what's supposed to be done, you know? And it just, that idea, like that we have to keep up masculinity for some sort of approval, but who are we trying to prove ourselves to? See, personally, uh, I gave up on that. Like I gave up on like trying to like gain approval from like anyone about masculinity. Like I'm wearing nail polish. That doesn't take away. Yeah, exactly, Rebecca. That doesn't take away from me being a man. That doesn't take away someone else from being a man. It, it, that is not, you know, uh, I think um, Celia brought it up in a comment section that gender is just a social construct, you know, that we put in place and we continue it for who knows what reason. And it, that's all it is. It's just constructed for, I don't know, clarity, for a sense of purpose, a sense of person. And it's just very... Uh, it's it's very sad for me to see that a lot of people, they can't express themselves. They can't, you know, show their emotions. And then that's why you see such high suicides rates. That's why men always are using too many illicit substances. And I I have a separate Oh, sorry, now. you go ahead first before I ask my question. Ooh, I think you're muted, sorry. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank you, Marcos, for that wonderful analogy, you know, that we can get caught up, you know, in this trip that nobody wants to go on. And at the same time, with awareness, we can say, no, thank you. Um, and so as a mental health professional, I just, you know, want to encourage all young people uh, to reach out to someone um, when they're struggling and know that that's part of the human experience and you're not less of a man or less of a woman, less of a guy or less of a girl, um, you know, for reaching out for help. And uh, in school, you know, there's your teacher, there's the guidance counselor, there's the child and youth worker, there's psychology and social work staff. Um, there are community supports for youth. And one great thing about the internet is that they're a lot easier to find and if you're in post-secondary, your college or university has counseling services. And um, also a lot of students have health insurance um, as part of their enrollment plan and can access services privately. And I, I think that when we um, free ourselves, that's the beginning, right? It, it starts with us. Um, and then when we are feeling content within ourselves, um, you know, as Marcos, I think you've come to a beautiful place. I think all of you have, uh, but, you know, I'm referencing you because of what you've just shared. Then it allows, you know, us to give a space for other people to be. They need and want to be um, on their own terms, on their own self-definition uh, as individuals who happen to inhabit a certain kind of body. Yeah. Good points. And you know, I just really need to ask you guys for 
my sub question that I had earlier. So I noticed that you guys were talking about the standards that society has for men, you know, and the struggle with upholding that. And so my sub question was, do you think women play a role in that, in the struggle that men have to go through in the struggle with their emotions and the struggle of maintaining um, standards from society? Do you think that women play a role within that struggle? And you be completely honest too, don't even hold back or anything, but yeah. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind, and like I said, this is me, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older, I'm in my 30s now, and I, got, I have three kids, and, but in my experience growing up and where I grew up, like I said, it's my own personal experience. The most toxic man got the most girls and was the most popular. The guy who could fight the most, the guy who could, you know, push people around, the guy who was tough, the guy who would, um, you know, girls would go talk to him and he would just, you know, ignore them, whatever. He's the one who got the most attention. He's the one who got the most girls. It's like, he's like the bad boy, you know? I don't know if that's still the case now. I'm just trying to say that's how it was back in the day. And so, and so the impression that it left on me personally was, Attention from the opposite sex was an important thing for me as a as a as a teenage boy, and so if I want attention from the opposite sex, I need to be like this guy. So that was the only thing that that I could think of in the sense of um, growing up that affected me personally. But I don't know if that's still the case um, in this generation. What about you, Marco? Uh, oh, Zach. Sorry, no. I will I will say like uh, Adro is right. Like. Uh, it still remains to an extent. Um, I see a comment saying the good guy comes in last. I found that very funny. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I wouldn't say good guy comes last. I would just say it depends on it depends on what uh, you're looking for. So sometimes within your friends, uh, sometimes within yeah your relationships, um, there they, there's a certain expectation. Um, that people think that you you're trying to uphold, or there's a certain standard, right? That um, maybe your friend group it tries to uphold that um, you want to be more manly, or have like a certain opinion on certain topics, or if you want to. Um, that's why peer pressure is such a big thing. Like that's why some people go into, um, I, dare I say, like drugs and all the those stuff because you're trying to uphold certain standards, that is very draining, right? It's very draining um to the to the to the mind to the body um in every way possible so i think that women do play a role to uh uphold that standard to answer the question directly but i do think that once you're so it's not just women it's your it's your group it's what you could see on social media um it's um how generations before were acted and what we saw maybe on tv from older generations. Um, I think all of those play a combined factor in uh, thinking that a man needs to uphold certain standards that he currently upholds. You know, I just want to quickly bring up what uh, Miss Irati uh, just said, like for anyone who uh, needs clarification, uh, like gender isn't real, right? Like we have, like, there's like the, the male sex and there's the female sex and that's what's used for reproduction, right? That's like, you know, that's the basic thing that's in all types of animals. You know, you, uh, you have like 
Uh, you need a female and a male for reproduction. And that's the extent of what it should be. Gender is what society put on top of that. You know, so you'll have females that are meant to have longer hair. They're meant to wear dresses. They're meant to wear makeup. They're meant to, you know, uh, uh, like be like submissive. They're meant to be like skinny. And men, they're meant to be like buff. They're meant to be strong. They're meant to not show emotions. That's what we put. So that's like when, uh, when I say gender isn't real, that's what we put. That's what humans put. That's not what was ever meant to be. You know, biologically, that uh, it has nothing to do with that. You know, like when we when we see like a female presenting girl, that's just how we see it. And then that's how we come to terms to know the difference. You know, if you look at a male chimp and a female chimp, you're going to have a hard time figuring out the difference. And biologically, it's they are different. And it's but, you know, that's the only thing that really matters. It's biologically. And but like for us, we put the importance in having that differentiation and that can cause problems but it you know for some people they need it for some people they need you know they need to uh they need to know that they look manly or that they need to know that they look feminine but again that's what i what i mean by like it it's not real but uh like now to like on the point of like uh like the women well, uh, like your sub question with like if women perpetuate like the the way that um like men act, I, I definitely think so. You know, I uh, I feel like sometimes there's like a, a common misconception that uh, like girls only like guys who are over six foot and who are like, uh, you know, muscular or that they like, uh, I, you know, I, I even not know a lot of friends who they like uh, like bad guys or guys who are toxic, even though they don't want to. And, you know, like uh, I, I think someone said in the chat, like that that does you know change with age as you grow, but then it like you know it definitely you it feels like some men they get rewarded by acting vile. So, uh, so like you know when when you're attracted to the opposite sex and you want you know like Adriel said like uh, like you're very invested in that you're gonna do what you gotta do. So then that's what you so then you then that mindset it's also put into women you know, that men have to act this way. So then that's what women see as like more appealing. And then like, you know, it's just like a continuous cycle. Yeah. I just had a, I just had a quick question uh, for Kayla and, and Miss Nancy, like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about uh, expectation for the men. And a lot of times when we see on, I guess, even social media, like we, talk, we talked about it a bit last week as well. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I guess a perception of what, uh, like a woman like needs to be like maybe in the media or, or like body image wise and stuff like that. And we've seen vast improvements over the years, I guess, you know, like there's a lot of, uh, promotion, but originally the original, uh, woman, I guess, model person was, you know, tall, uh, long hair, very, like very pretty, you know, um, and though that has changed, um, there's still a lot of ways to go. So how do you guys, uh, Kayla, like, how do you feel when you see that type of stuff happening in the media today still? And Miss Nancy, I guess kind of twofold, like, um, how do you think women, younger women like Kayla uh, should deal with that? 
I know for me, seeing it. Oh, did Nancy? Do you want to go? Okay. Okay. No, actually, I wanted to say Kayla, you first. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know for me, it's especially hard because I have a young niece, and she's younger than me. So, you know, the Barbies that we grew up in, the dolls, and and even the fashion websites that we see and how those models look and the songs that are put out and still today the magazine covers, Photoshop, um, you know, touching on the social media aspect, we talked about this, you know, social media is not real. We only want to show when we're up and never when we're down. And, you know, that's what that space is about. And that's the really scary thing about it because I have a huge fear if we don't start having, you know, conversations about it. Like Nancy said, it starts with us. But if that's really the case, you know, we have to make sure we're having these conversations, woman to woman, man to man, doesn't matter. Because in order for us to combat, like, this is the expectation. How do we not make the expectation? We never stop, ha we never, ha we should never stop having these conversations. And, you know, I, I didn't start, you know, having like body image issues when I was like in the seventh or eighth grade, but now it's younger. We talked about this yesterday, and, and that's why I fear for my niece, because I don't want to ever think that, oh, I have to look this way. I have to eat all these foods or not eat all these foods in order to meet these expectations, which are crazy. And, you know, it's this perfection that they shouldn't be meeting in the first place. You know, why is this the standard? When did this become the standard? And how long is it going to be the standard? You know, who's going to stop that? And like I said, it starts with us. And I don't want to see that. And for my, you know, one day if I have kids, I don't want them to go through that. But the realistic thing is, like I said, we have to stop it on social media and we have to start having those conversations. But yeah. I think one aspect of, of media with regard to body image that is more positive in recent years and and you know, I, I don't want to come across as, as just somebody who's always looking for the glass uh, half full. Uh, but I, I confess that is that is my nature. Um, you know, it's good to acknowledge what's wrong, but also what's right. And um, I think that there has been um, a lot of uh, growth in in the fashion industry, um, in you know, the media in terms of different images of beauty. Um, beauty of, you know, all different racial backgrounds, for one thing. Um, beauty of different body sizes, you know, to see beautiful plus size models um, in the media, um, to have plus size clothing that, you know, doesn't look like something only your grandmother would wear, right? Um, and um, to uh, just instill confidence in young women that they, they are beautiful and there are many different ways to be beautiful, um, that they don't have to fit themselves into some kind of cookie cutter uh, image that, that just um, in many cases is completely unattainable. Like a lot of the supermodels would say like, it's so unfair, I feel so badly for you know these young girls looking at images uh, of us in the magazines because just genetically, it, you know they're never going to look like us, they're just not. Um, and there's curriculum now that's part of the girl guides, um, that teaches explicitly about body image. So if, if 
certain elements of, of gender, you know, are constructed by our culture um, that are unhelpful, you know, through kind of critical media literacy and other types of awareness of culture. And Kayla, like you said, this conversation, culture can dismantle culture too, right? Um, and and we have the, the power, the ability uh, to do that. Um, and as far as women being part of the construction of, of toxic masculinity, um, I think as one of the, the comments in the chat said, I see it much more as kind of like a high school or kind of early 20s kind of phenomena. You know, that when people are young, maybe they don't know themselves as well. Um, they're more vulnerable to the culture and the images that are fed. Um, as people get older, I think both men and women in so many wedding vows say, I'm marrying my best friend today. That's what they're looking for. Um, and so how do we kind of first become a best friend to ourselves so that then we can become a best friend, you know, to a life partner. Um, and, and I should say, you know, not just looking, you know, we've been talking about it again, um, mostly in terms of uh, a heterosexual context, but the same would be true, you know, um, in relationships uh, that uh, are gay and lesbian as well, uh, or for people that don't put themselves in a gender box. I think people who uh, are gender fluid or are trans um, have a lot uh, to, to share with us in terms of dismantling um, these, these constructs. Nancy, I think you brought up that was uh, very good is like, you know, like women, like the problem with like women liking like bad boys or whatever, like in their early 20s, like when they're young, but like their, like their mindset changes, but men's don't, you know, like they, they, they were put into like, they kept like having to be like that type of way, you know, from they were since they were young, and then they keep going through that. Sure, may, a lot of it might have been suppressed. You know, like they're not like going starting fights anymore because now you're in the real world. But then, like the underlying mentality, uh, mentality, it like stays like in the back of their heads, and you know, and like that just keeps perpetuating it. I'd love to talk about role models. Uh, you guys know that already, and so I think part of it is also having those role models and templates. And if we're lucky, you know, we have them in our family. So as uh, some of you know, in the pre-chat, I mentioned that uh, I'm very proud of my mom. She's one of my role models. Um, she's a retired judge. Um, my dad was one of the biggest supporters uh, of her career. Um, she will say freely, um, I don't know if I would have got to where I got without your father, that, you know, that they were a team. It was my mother's education, her intelligence, her hard work, her passion for justice, and also though my father being very supportive um, of her career in, in many different ways. And they've been married for 50 years. So I think, you know, I was lucky in terms of having those templates. Um, if we don't have them in our families, can we find them somewhere else? Um, so that, you know, we, we have choices then. We don't just have to act out the, the templates that maybe were first available to us. Can I put it that way? Um, and I think, again, part of uh, our privilege and our responsibility working in, in the education system is to provide, hopefully, um, some kind of role modeling of just being 
happy, well, uh, passionate about what we do uh, with, with integrity. Um, so I'm curious, can, can you guys share uh, who might be a role model for you, either somebody famous or, or somebody that's touched your life uh, more, uh, more directly? I think we should let Adriel go first, just because I know we're on a time constraint, but yeah. Sure, sure. Um, let me know if I have time to say something else at the end. But a uh, good role model for me that definitely were my old, I have a, I have a bunch of older brothers. Um, I'm actually the baby of my family by, by quite a bit. So um, my older brother, uh, my two, I have three older brothers, but two of them specific, uh, specifically were really role models for me. Um, you know, as I was growing up, they were already having kids and everything else, and I saw them with um, their family, how they tried to, how they tried to have integrity. Like, for them, the definition of a man was someone who had virtues. So you had honesty, integrity. You know, you when you say something, you try to keep your word. You know, you you try to be, you, you try you know treat you know the golden rule. You treat others as how you would like to be treated. And so uh, those virtues are something that I saw in them that, and I tried to reproduce. Um, I guess I guess I can go at this point. Um, in terms of female role models, definitely my mother. She's the strongest woman I know, for sure. Um, and then I would say my older cousins. That's like the females that I looked up to. Those are my role models. In terms of men, I don't really have as many. I do have some male role models, but I wouldn't say they're people I look up to. It's more like people who have influenced me. And I know that's what a role model is, but um, it's not like people I wanna be or look up to, but I would say that the people that I really look up to is I would, and even with my mother too, if I'm being completely honest, like I look up to, I like I look up to my mother, but I wouldn't want to be her, if that makes any sense. So it's not like, it's not like I, I um, it's not like there's, okay, so I think that I look up to certain characteristics um, within certain people. And like, this is kind of like the similar conversation that we had when we were backstage, but um, I would say like, I look up to my mother's strength and I look up to, you know, my cousins like resilience and how they're just involved in so much while do like, you know, involved in so much while doing everything, you know? So I would say those are the female um, people, like people that I look up to, but really quickly, something I, I just want to touch on Zach's, um, question that he posed earlier, you know, the struggle that women go through. And I know, I, I don't mean to cut it off here, but I really just want to get this point out that Marsha brought up in the beginning when she talked about intersectionality. And that is something that is very important that I just want to put out there that, you know, there is a separate struggle that Black women do go through. And that, you know, it's one thing at age nine or 10 where you start to feel body conscious and stuff. And then there's another thing that black women go through with our hair, with our body, with dealing with our skin tone, with dealing with, and if, if we're being completely honest with dealing with hyperpigmentation, stretch marks, you know, the different things that come after as you, as you grow into a woman and just kind of dealing with that. And then maybe dealing with, you know, um, black guys maybe not really liking you and then like dealing with what you hear on the internet and then the standards that we have on social media, it can make a young black girl really insecure. And I know last, last night when we were talking about it and I don't mean to speak for Kayla, but she brought up a point how, you know, like when I brought up, I was like, well, I probably started feeling insecure around age 15. And she was like, 
And Nancy brought up how, you know, in statistics, it's like girls at age 10, right? And Kayla was like, wow, do you see how like the number got lower? Like kids are 10 years old, already starting to feel insecure. And I just want to point out, like, it's a different type of struggle that, you know, black women go through. And I, I just, I have to point that out. And that's something that we need to work on. Honestly, if I'm being completely honest, something I'm still working on. Like, I still fall into that long hair, you know, wanting to be pretty and maybe putting in extra effort and stuff. But yeah, I just wanted to definitely bring that up before we had to end off. I know we've been here an hour, 20 minutes. I see it. It's 7.23. Usually we end at seven o'clock. But, you know, before we end, I just want to ask everybody if they have any last points that they want to bring up before we go. And then me and Zach can take it away. Is everyone good? Any last points? I, I know. I, you go ahead, Nancy. Are you sure, Adele? Thank you. Um, well, there was a book that was written, um, and I, I know I, I reference a lot of older stuff, perhaps because I'm an older person, for kids, um, kind of around these issues uh, of gender um, by Robin Morgan uh, in the 70s, and it was called Free to Be You and Me. And so to me, that's that's still the goal that, you know, we should be able to be free to kind of define ourselves as, as individuals in a way that, you know, is respectful uh, of ourselves and, and others and that we can all empower each other uh, to, to do that and to create that world. And it's just been such a privilege to uh, meet all of you and have this conversation with you. I echo Nancy's sentiment. It's been great speaking with everyone here. Just the last thing I wanted to say is, you know, sometimes things can, the pendulum can swing a little too far. And um, of course, there's a lot of toxic masculinity that we've been dealing with for a long time in society in general, patriarchy and uh, misogyny. But it doesn't mean that, that you still can't have a vision and a goal for your life or your business or your career and not try to aggressively attain it. Of course, you still have to have those virtues of honesty, integrity, and kindness, and love, and peace. But um, I still counsel any, you know, people out there, like men, male and female, don't feel like, oh, I have to now, like, you know, not, if I have, I wanted to be, you know, the first astronaut to go to Mars, and it takes a lot of aggression and a lot of studying, a lot of hard work to get there. You know, still have those passions. But you don't have to have those passions and be a mean person or and put people down or and you know so it's just still have those still have that drive still have that hustle still want to be something great but do it with integrity yeah and um just like what nancy was saying i think something to take away from this conversation that we had is that everyone should be able and like this is like this is a perfect world where everyone is able to express themselves, to be comfortable who they are, to you know go outside and not feel like pressures when you go out, to feel comfortable, to know that you are loved. And you know, I think that's like something important. Like uh, as a Catholic, God loves us all, uh, and everything we do, like like all, all the way we are, like every single part of us, every single detail is it, like God loves it all. And we're, you know, we're all equal in his eyes and there should be no reason for us to discriminate against anyone for us to, uh, you know, do uh, act out 
just because we're scared. We should all be able to feel comfortable with who we are because God loves that person of us. You know, God loves who we are, and that's the person who you want to be. So if you want to take something away from this, I that's all I have to say. Just love your neighbor, and, you know, that's it. Thank you. Kayla? First of all, I just want to apologize for my Wi-Fi. I don't know what's been going on with it, but... Um, and again, thank you so much for having me here. And thank you so much for all the lovely comments about my poem. I just personally want to say that, you know, just similar to what I said before and what Nancy said, it starts with us. And I'm just a firm believer in that. I think we can combat this really large issue. And it, there we go. okay. And it can be done with us. Um, it will be done with us. And that's that's how much I believe in it because I don't, like I said, I think we just need to have more compassion. I think that's the word that we need to use. It's all about having compassion and, and, and wanting to open up, having the men in our lives open us and vice versa and talk about these things because at the end of the day, we're the up and coming ones. We're the ones who are gonna, you know, kind of start taking over things. And we want to make sure that everyone is safe, everyone is respected, everyone can love their neighbor, and we will do that. We are. Those are gonna be the foundations of what we want to see in the future. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kayla, and thanks to everyone that was here. Um, so much, so much, so much. Hopefully, we can connect soon, even more, and talk even more. Um, but thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. And we'll see you guys next time. We'll see you yeah. guys next time. Yeah. Take care guys. Bye. Alrighty. Ooh, that was a, was a good combo. That was a great one. That was yeah. a great one. I just, I just had to take a backseat and just really listen. Um, yeah. really listen to all the knowledge and all the different experiences because, um, you never know. You never know what everyone else is going through, you know? So sometimes your experience isn't the only experience. With that being said, if you guys want to learn more or anybody to reach out to, um, some school supports that you can reach out to as a teacher, uh, CYU, guidance counselor, vice principal, regular principal, uh, school social worker, or school psychology staff. I know that uh, Miss Nancy was talking about this a bit earlier as well. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so if let's say if you guys are struggling or dealing with anything after school hours, there are community supports. You guys can speak to What's Up Walk-In at whatsupwalkin.ca. You guys can call Mental Health TO at 1-800-665-85-6486. Or you guys can call Kids Help Online or go to the website kidshelpphoneline.ca or call that number up there or text connect to 686868. Absolutely. And we can't go, we can't go any further uh, without our Instagram and, and uh, podcast promotions. Uh, the focus.foy on Instagram, that's where we have our updates. Um, anything that you might have missed in previous previous episodes, you can find that there. Our link tree is there for everything that you will need focus-wise. Uh, Spotify, the uh, police check, education and family, and social media are now on Spotify and Google Podcast. Um, there will be more um, broadcasting coming soon, so keep that in mind but if you missed any of the previous ones or want to listen to this one back that's where to find it and for our next episode we're going to be talking about financial literacy <laughs> we will be discussing 
financial literacy relating to budgeting, student loans, and various forms of investing and so much more. So guys, stay tuned. It's going to be a big episode next week. I know we say that every week, but I'm really excited for this one because we don't get enough of it. So stay yes. tuned for that episode, guys. Absolutely. Financial literacy is going to be a good one. But in the meantime, uh, we'll keep you guys posted. But I'm Rebecca. Uh, ooh, I'm Zach. <laughs> He's Zach. I'm Rebecca. And we will see you guys next week on The Focus. Bye, everyone.